Hi, it's Martin Flake here. I'm on Remote Control Season 2. I'm Internal Communications Specialist and Vice Chair of CIPR Inside. Hi, Martin. Thanks for joining us for Season 2 of Remote Control. Great to have you on. Thanks, Jack. Uh, it's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me to uh, to contribute. Yes, no problem. So I think it'd be amiss if I didn't ask you how 2020 has been so far, maybe for you and in your role as the vice chair of the internal comms group of the CIPR, CIPR inside. So I think, I think I'm a bit like everybody else, Jack. It's been a bit sort of like a frenetic limbo, hasn't it? We sort of <laughs> seem to go around the same day it's like like groundhog day most days isn't it so mm. but, um, actually there's it's been very very busy um so i've been i've been working in house a part of the time um as well as doing some other work and um so i've had i've experienced it from sort of two angles so from the sort of a working side an organization but also sort of from the sort of more freelancer side um so it's yeah it's been been quite busy and with with cipr inside which is the cipr's um, Intel Comms uh, group. Um, we had some big plans this year. We we had a we had a two day a, a days planning meeting in in Manchester in February, and then shortly afterwards had to bin all those plans because we just <laughs> couldn't do the things that we wanted to do, particularly some of the face to face stuff. So yeah, um, we we've had to go with the flow. I, I think is the is the is is the motto of the motto of the year so far. <laughs> so we've we done a lot of things around some of the some of the softer stuff around things like. Uh, mental health well-being uh we we ran a, ran a couple of webinars on on empathy yeah building empathy in organizations so like i said we had to go with the flow a little bit um and 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 just sort of um keep our our ears to the ground around what people are wanting uh, what support and telecommunicators need and so on just to get them through uh through their working weeks so you're, you're saying that you were kind of working in-house and on the, the agency consultancy side of things so you really were kind of a bit of a glutton for punishment for what must have been the busiest year for internal comms ever absolutely and i think you know i think we've all um it, it, wherever you wherever you've worked in, on whatever you've worked you've, you've probably been involved in in some fairly rapid implementations of digital platforms and um, i was involved with the teams a rapid teams rollout. Um, which would probably have taken in the old world would probably have taken months to do, but we did it in weeks. So <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it, it's certainly been, um, been a challenging year, but actually, you know, I think we've all learned a lot as well. Um, we, we've learned a lot about, uh, about resilience and um, ad- ad- adaptability, I think is, has, has been the name of the game this year. And um just to keep just to keep organisations on track with uh, communicating with their employees who are now scattered to the four wind, winds in, in in most in most cases, particularly with office based workers. So uh, we've had to learn new ways of communicating, um, and very rapidly, uh, just to keep people people um, on track with organisational objectives and and so on. Yeah, you, you mentioned a kind of a rapid rollout of of teams. There, it brings to brings to mind a quote I saw from the CEO of Microsoft. I think it was, they said, there'd been two years of digital transformation in two months during, at the start of 
kind of the pandemic. I think kind of some of the conversations I've been having on this podcast with other guests has been echoing that, that people have been almost rolling their sleeves and, and implementing things which may be 85, 90% right and they're working through the 15, 10% on an ongoing basis. It's They've not had the luxury of the time to get everything really nicely lined up and it's been more, much more of a need to get things in and working and then can be finessed as it, as it goes on, I suppose. That's right. I think, you know, if you, <clears throat> if you were looking in normal times at implementing any kind of new communication tool in an organisation, you would look very thoroughly at how it fitted with everything else that you were using. So you'd probably want to look at your channel strategy and um, what what sort of content would go down each sort of channel, um, how those things would link together, how you use them in campaigns. We had no time to do any of that. It was just a case of plugging it in, switching it on um, and, and see what happened. Um, I think some organisations have, have, have fared better than others in terms of where, the, where they've ended up as a result of that. Um, you know, I think there's still maybe a bit of unpicking to do uh, just to try and try and get things right because I think when you when you implement new channels, particularly, there's a temptation to to use that in parallel with others. So you you blast employees with the same information down half a dozen different channels, which isn't always the most effective way to communicate because you tend to overload people. Yeah, when you overload people, they switch off. So um, I think some organisations now are probably in in a sort of a retrofitting sort of mode, looking at, okay, we've got this new thing now. What should we really be using it for? And how does it fit with the other things that we had before, such as internets and so on? Uh, so, yeah, some, some, some unpicking to do, I think, in some places. But, um, but, you know, let's celebrate that we, we managed to do these things really, really quickly. And I think a lot of internal communicators really proved their worth. Um, in, in the teeth of the pandemic and um, it's given them a newfound credibility with, with leadership teams and, and, and other stakeholders in organisations. Yeah, that that kind of seems to ring true from some of the conversations that I've been having around the amount of, just the amount of time that they've been, the internal comms people have been spending with the, the senior leaders because of the necessity of it and kind of having those continued great relationships carrying on, I guess, even after the rollout of a new tool or if things have perhaps settled down for some companies, then it's kind of, they're maintaining that relationship and, and that can only be a good thing, really. That's right, absolutely. Um, and I think, you know, it's it, it's incumbent on us to, 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 um, to capitalise on those relationships now because, you know, I, I often say that, internal comms is, is basically built on relationships um, if you've got good relationships in organizations with with key stakeholders then you uh, you tend to be a more effective internal communicator uh, because you you can you know you know where to have the discussions uh, where to influence where to get the support and the sponsorship uh, to do things uh, which is so important when you're when you're trying to particularly when you're trying out new things or want to try out new things and it- and it would feel like that this time where everyone has gone remotely, including senior leaders and internal comms people, because sometimes I, I fall into the trap of thinking this is a, as the bubble that the senior leaders and internal comm teams are still locked away in a room together. But of course, all these things have been, or most of these things have been done remotely 
for everyone. So building those relationships is is will have been in a different way, in a different format, different channels than previously. So really quite a testing time on both the delivery and that relationship building side for people in internal comms this year. Yeah, I think you you we've had to do do things and build relationships with intent. So, you know, you're not in a you're not in an office, you're not on a shop floor, you're not in a in a traditional working environment anymore where you would have those encounters, I suppose, and those that be able to have those conversations in real life. Um, those those things just don't those those kind of interactions just don't happen at the moment. So if you want if you want to talk to anybody, whether it's a senior leader, another stakeholder, groups of colleagues to get feedback or anything, you have to plan that in. And that's that's a very different way of working for a lot of internal communicators um, because you just don't have that um, that spontaneity, I suppose, um, in, in creating those relationships. Um, and I think um, particularly if you're starting a new relationship from scratch with anybody, um, you have to work a lot harder at it, um, particularly over a digital medium like Zoom, for example, or something like that, because you know you don't get the same can't really see the body language you can't sort of you know you can't get that sort of sense of sense of a person apart from just what they're kind of saying and what's coming out of their mouth so it's it's a much more difficult difficult way to build a relationship I think it's not a particular human way uh, which is why we have to work a lot harder at it yeah it's, it's quite a good word and has come up before the, the the intent to be intentional about it and it's those informal situations that people are missing out on so you you know if I think if I cast my mind back to when I was in office with, with someone and you can you can tell by the body language if you know it'd be a good idea to have a walk down to the kitchen and, and, and get a tea or coffee it's kind of those informal things those body language cues that you mentioned which can really speed up a, a, a good relationship and, and give you kind of those points to interact on um yeah really, I mean, abso- really abso- absolutely I mean you know, I've, I've written, I, I write quite a few blogs. It's how I organise my thoughts. It's how I think. Um, and you know, I've written, I've written stuff about how to, um, how to, how to um, get leaders to listen to you sometimes. And a lot of that, uh, well, I was actually looking at this blog the other day actually, and a lot of it was about, you know, doorstepping senior managers in the lift, in the <laughs> car park, in the lunch queue. Um, we can't do that anymore. Uh, we're not in that environment anymore. So um, we do have to work a lot harder at these relationships now. Um, and perhaps even, you know, if, if, you, if you're dealing with people who are very busy, um, make, a, make a case before you even get to talk to them about why you want to talk to them. Yeah. Um, and, and sort of set out your stall before you even get into the, the virtual room to do that. Well, yeah, a bit like an in, internal comms, dating profile or something absolutely where... <laughs> yeah <laughs> and, and just to be clear when we talk about doorstepping we are in no way advocating the use of uh actual doorstepping with your senior leaders <laughs> sending people no, sending no, people no. To, that would be uh that would be the next step um so you were talking about relationships and that actually was a really good segue into what caught my attention was was a twitter poll that, that you ran and it was the, the question was like an open-ended sentence i i need blank to be an effective communicator and the answer that came out was the the need to influence middle managers and it kind of really turned things on its head 
when I've been doing research for the podcast and kind of getting immersed into internal comms, a lot of the um, guy advice out there is around making sure that you need a kind of a seat at the board level to be able to do the internal comms role effectively in your organization. And the, yeah, the results from the poll kind of couldn't have really said anything more different, to be honest. You know, the the vast majority of people came back and, and talked about that influence of middle managers being the, the number one thing. I think there's, <clears throat> there's loads of myths in internal comms. And I think this is one of the bigger ones that you do need to be, have a seat at the boardroom table to actually get anything done in organisations or to, to influence people. Uh, you've got to be there at the top table. And I think the reality of that for most internal communicators, that's never actually going to happen. Um, so by talking about these things, I think as a, as, a, as a community, as a profession, we kind of set people up to fail sometimes and perhaps to feel a bit inadequate about, uh, about themselves. Um, I love Twitter polls. Uh, it's a great way of, of, of testing the water, I think, on certain things. And it, I often run a Twitter poll actually before I even write, write anything with a blog or something because I just want to know what other people think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I asked the question, you know, I work in telecoms and to do my job effectively, I need to. And the options were be in the boardroom, convert the chief exec to IC, influence the middle managers and run channels effectively. And the biggest, uh, the biggest uh, respondents uh, group was, was, was middle managers. Over 40% of people said that that's what they, that's where they needed to be. Um, and that was quite nice because I, for my CIPR in telecoms diploma a few years ago, my research topic was middle managers and how they influence in internal comms and, and, and build employee engagement in organisations. And they are perhaps one of the most overlooked audiences in, 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 in organisations. We tend to lump them together with other managers. Uh, so we, we look at audiences and organisations. We go, there's just staff and then there's, there's, there's a manager group as well. But that manager group, you know, has, um, has, different segments in it and middle managers are a big a big segment and they behave you know what I discovered with the with the research that I did uh, was that they behave in a particular way um, and they have two real characteristics in how they how they operate in organizations so they have these things called distributed conversations so this is being able to talk to people at different levels in the organization in the language and way that they understand so they can they can talk to people at the boardroom table to kind of you know find out what it is that they're wanting to do, uh, give them some feedback on that, constructive feedback. Um, but then looking downward into the organization or sideways in the organization, they could also have those conversations with people at those levels as well and talk to them in their language, in their context as well. One of the other behaviors that they um that they displace is something about enrolling networks. So this is just basically about building, building teams and coalitions to get things done. Um, and middle managers uh, tend to be people who know, have lots of relationships in organisations. They tend to know who to go to to get things done. Um, they're not usually people that work with processes to get things done. Uh, it's more, again, about relationships to, to actually make things happen in organisations. And if you think about it, if you think about the reality of working in an organization, you think about there's a, there's a bunch of decision makers sat at the top table 
they often, okay, they might make the decisions, but they often don't know how to get things done in organisations in a practical sense. And it's the middle managers that are the ones that are actually going to do those things for, for the boardroom. And, um, you know, if you want to, if you want to really influence in organisations, you need to be in with the, with the, with the bunch of people that are going to be doing the doing, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, um, that's, you know, where I think more, more in silicon media cases need to be is actually working with middle managers to get things done rather than stressing about being in the boardroom and, and having some influence uh, right at the top of the organisation. And, and working with those middle managers to get the the comms out there through their distributed conversations, is that kind of practices like working groups and, and feedback sessions or, or what kind of kind of routes to the, to that specific audience within an organization would you find typically i think that I, I think they're they're the the people if you so the traditional way that we would we would try and influence managers as in telecommunications we would probably give them briefing notes or, or other information or something like that but actually i find that what, what works more effectively with this sort of group is to actually uh, not just bombard them with information but it's more about having sort of um, mini conferences, um, letting them be in the same room, room as the leadership team to understand what it is the leadership team, team are trying to do. Um, so giving them some, some individual exposure to the decision makers in the organisation so that those two groups can actually work together to work out how to get things done. Once that's, once that's happened, um, the middle managers are then pretty well-placed to work with within telecommunicators to then, to then work out how to make those things happen in the organisation using whatever communication tools um, and channels are in place in the organisation to do that. So it's that upward that upward conversation, that downward conversation um, that, that's so important and the place where Intel comms people can, can kind of have the most influence is probably in the downward conversation and helping yeah. middle managers to kind of um, help people understand what they need to do to perhaps implement process change, um, different ways of working, uh, restructures or whatever it is the particular project or topic might be. Uh, and to, to touch on the, the other characteristic then, the enrolling networks, I just wonder, is there anything that, because that's so in, informal but effective, I just wonder if there's something that internal comms people can almost learn or take away from that characteristic into into their own role and, and into the internal comms plan if you like is, is or is that kind of really just to do with how people work i think it's i think you're absolutely right and, and again you know it's when you're when you're looking at um, maybe putting a comms plan together to, to to do something you're often you're often looking for subject matter experts to help you with with shaping some of that maybe shaping some of the content we're also um looking for people you know the, the man and the woman who can do that do those sorts of things whatever the whatever the topic might be um so it's about um knowing knowing having a really good understanding of who does what in the organization um and that's what middle managers themselves do they have these enrolling networks. They're kind of very aware about who does what in the organisation. Mm-hmm. Maybe where there, where there are favours to be called in or something like that. It's the same for telecommunicators. Um, having a really good understanding of 
the people that work in the organisation and what they do um, really helps you in your in your role um, because when you're presented with a problem uh, by another stakeholder who needs to do something and needs to communicate something, you then know, well, there's these other half dozen people in the organisation who we can draw on and maybe we need to get all those people into a, in the current context of virtual rooms to work out what the commerce plan should look like. Yeah, actually, just while you're talking there about kind of being able to identify those people in the organisation that have those networks and have those maybe favours to call on, reminded me of some product launches. I used to used to work for a software company and we used to do pretty regular product launches. And one of the parts of it was internal comms and making sure new features were were understood and the benefits for clients were understood internally. Um, and I can remember a big part of one campaign was internal case studies um, about why the software was either easier to sell or better to support. And we tried to identify the people who, and it maybe wasn't middle managers to be fair, but it was people that held probably um, a disproportionate amount of sway over some of their colleagues. Okay. And it was kind of identifying those people as and, and approaching them to be internal case studies and it, you know almost having um joe bloggs's stamp of approval um from the sales team would you know would kind of almost set two teams away thinking yep that's okay that's fine by me rather than oh well the marketing team say x y and z so you know i'm not really going to believe that so that was yeah i guess similar in terms of identifying who's got those informal um networks and, and contacts and, and kind of curry favor in different parts of the business perhaps yeah i always think i always think case studies are a really interesting interesting communications tool because i i often say to people who want to do this um make sure that they reflect reflect reality because mm. if they if they are um you know the exception rather than the rule i suppose they're not they're not really kind of a very good sort of role model to hold up so if you try to change someone's behavior and you want them to do things in a particular way, and you use case studies of other, maybe other colleagues who are, who are doing this already, make sure that it affects reality and that it's relevant to the people that you're communicating with. Otherwise, it just feels like it's something that's actually unachievable for them um, as individuals. Um, so, uh, yeah, just, just, just bear in mind the reality of, of, of what you're projecting, um, because if it doesn't resound with... Um, the people that you're trying to influence it's not really going to work as a communications tool yeah it's, it's not going to have that that impact it, it, in fact it'll just appear like a, another message to ignore potentially absolutely yeah so you talked a, a little bit about it you mentioned uh, in this kind of period getting into a, a virtual room together and i just wanted to talk about how or get your get your thoughts on how influencing middle managers has I mean, it must have changed this year with the the ability to to contact people and, and kind of build those relationships. How have you seen that that change? I think it's um, it's. I mean, everybody's everybody's been so busy to start off with that it's it's often been quite difficult to get get the time with people. I think that um, <clears throat> you know, just as I said earlier, if you if you want to want to buy some time off of people. Um, you've got to be really clear about why you why you want to talk to them, and I think if there's 
you know, you probably need to. It's not just a case of setting the meeting up now. I don't think it's more a case of doing some pre, some pre warm up with them maybe, um, and uh, helping them to understand the problem that you're trying to solve, and that you want their help with. So, um, you know, just just giving them the heads up about what it is that you want to talk about, um, and maybe having some really clear structure to the conversation as well. So, you know, we we might not. Um, in the past, particularly sort of one-to-one or one-to-two, one-to-three sort of conversations have had a really, really structured agenda for those conversations. I think perhaps it, it helps now to have that sometimes um, just so that you can make best use of people's time and that you can maybe, you know, people can do some thinking before, before they come onto the video call or whatever, however it is you, that you're interacting with them just so that they've got some thinking time uh, so that you can cover off the points that you want to cover. Yeah, and I guess the the original poll it, it talked about being, a, you know, the, what you need to be effective in the internal comms role, and we've touched a little bit on, well, we've touched a lot on the influence of middle managers, and and how you can prepare or how you should prepare for that with this kind of current situation where you might not be in, in the usual work situation. Um, what type of what else should be people be looking out for to, to help them be more effective you've got any more kind of pointers or, or areas of focus i think um my my background sort of going back is uh working comms in government so i worked in some of the big government departments a few a few for quite a number of years and um being a member of the government communication service um you're, you're kind of drummed into you that great great communications are founded in great insight so insights about about listening understanding audiences and i think now more than ever um that internal comms people should be really listening to their audiences um it's it, it because the audiences are kind of distributed now because they're they're working remotely again it's difficult to have those to feel the vibe of a work of a workplace now to mm-hmm. sort of get a sense of how people are feeling what they're gossiping about, um, what questions they're raising about, you know, things that might be being done in the organisation. You just can't have that. That's Again, it's that spontaneous sort of, you know, conversations with people just wandering around the office or the shop floor and just talking to employees. You can't do that anymore. So in some ways we've got to, again, we've got to be more, have more intent in how, we, how we're doing that listening um, and be more structured. And I always think, with feedback, particularly when you're gathering feedback, that feedback can be actionable or non-actionable, depending on how you how you collect it. So if you just ask a, a very open question and you solicit feedback, you're going to get all sorts of stuff back. Um, you're getting that back in a very unstructured way. It makes it difficult to analyse and kind of work out, well, what are people telling me here? What do I need to do as a result of that? So I think we need to need to be careful and, and very um, clever in the way that we we do listen to audiences now. So we perhaps need to use um, more surveys, particularly if we if we're using if we're surveying larger larger audiences and gathering lots of feedback from lots of people. Um, I always say to people, if you've got um, people in your organisation that do this stuff for a living. So maybe you've got a customer insight team or a market mm. research team or something like that. They're the ones that are probably listening to customers. They're doing this every day. 
um, all your stakeholders, organizational stakeholders are doing this every day. And I, I know that I've worked in the past, you know, really well with, with those sorts of people. And they've given me loads of help with how to just structure, structure questions, how to, how to get to, to, to sort of really think about what I'm trying to, trying to get at with the questioning um, and help you design surveys and other kind of feedback gathering tools, um, polls, stuff like that. Um, they're a mine of information. And, and if there are people in those, you know, like those in your organization, then make friends with them uh, <laughs> because, they, because they will be really, really helpful to you. Um, and then, you know, I think, again, gathering feedback is only the, only the first part of it. And, and if you do it in the right way and it, and, it, and it really betrays that there are some things that you need to be doing with follow-up communications, maybe there's been some kind of activity in the organisation to change processes or restructure or something just, just because people have been working remotely and you're wanting to check out if those things are working and whether people have understood what it is that they need to be doing. Um, you know, make sure that you've got um, you go back to people and you say, okay, well, we've heard this and this is what's going to happen. Um, it's like you said, we, you said we did sort of loop that we need to close cons- constantly now. Um, it's, it's not really ethical to ask people for their feedback and then to do nothing with it, even if you don't reflect that back on them. Yeah. And, and I think like you say, the, the intent needs to be there for listening because it's, it's not those, um, you, you know, you couldn't just sit down in the canteen and, and overhear things. You know, if that was a um, as a scenario, you, just those informal com- kind of conversations or drop-in sessions are, are hard to recreate unless you're quite intentional about it. And a few things that I've seen that have kind of struck me as, as good has been having a almost like a drop-in session, whether that's mm. half an hour, an hour, or, or however long, um, and just you know, promising that someone from, you know, if it's the senior team, if it's the internal comms team is there to answer questions from, you know, nine to t- nine till 10 every Tuesday and Thursday morning or something. And, and they've been, they've worked well, they've not been flooded every day, you know, back to back, but it's, I've not heard anyone say that they've not been worthwhile. It's always been at least, you know, one or two, three or four people coming in and, and asking those questions and, and being able to get those answers back. And if they're the middle managers that are coming to them with those questions, those drop-in sessions, that's, you know, that's then going to reach a, you know, a much wider audience. I, I detect that um, <clears throat> across, across the Intelcoms community that um, a lot of people have been engaged in, in ask me anything sessions. Um, I think, um, you know, that's been a theme of this year is, is that they've um, there's probably been more interaction between workforces and, and perhaps senior leaders, middle managers, sub, you know, subject matter experts and so on in organisations uh, because, of, because of the pandemic. And actually, if you think about it with digital platforms, they're actually quite democratising. Um, so, you know, you might have run these sessions, a drop-in session, as you, as you mentioned there, and there'd be... 12 seats in the room so you know space for 12 people but actually with a with a digital platform the number's virtually unlimited really isn't it yeah um, in terms of who, who can who can participate at the same time um so i think that you know, again one of the upsides of, of the pandemic has been because of the use of more digital technology to engage with 
significant people in organizations and, and between them and the workforce is actually it's, it's actually made organizations a bit more inclusive perhaps uh, because people can participate wherever they are and whoever they are whatever level they work in the organization um, and they can ask the questions that they want to ask and get the answers that they need yeah that's a really interesting um point to look at the the, in, the inclusiveness of of digital tools and and you know might it have increased that or or will it kind of be a, a barrier to that and yeah it's interesting I've, I've not really seen too much about that but be interesting to just you know to hear or, or kind of see some data on how that has happened this year versus last year um mm. with it, it'd, be, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to 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 if and when this ever ends <laughs> um going going back to you know back into workplaces and maybe starting to do face to for more face-to-face communication again um you know face-to-face used to be used to be the the king channel didn't it in, in internal yeah. comms and uh, we've had to adapt that that kind of format quite radically to cope with um working remotely it, it makes me wonder if people will actually go back to the to the to the town hall kind of format because again quite expensive to get all those people into one room it's probably travel costs involved to get to a particular venue um some people can't attend for whatever reason you know maybe they're they're in customer facing jobs and they're not allowed to you know leave the telephone for more than half an hour or something in, in a break and um you know would we go back to how we did things before now we've had this experience i'm not so sure um it's, it will be an interesting uh, interesting thing to see what happens with that. Yeah, I think from from the, the company I work for, Stringo, from our perspective, we've seen lots of clients um, kind of scrambled to replace their physical town halls with with virtual ones when, when the pandemic first set in. Um, and, you know, it was almost that everyone was geared up to receive this information on these dates or even external comms, you know, having events booked in and and they were scrambling to look for virtual alternatives. Um, and then, but what we've seen since then is actually, I don't know whether it's the kind of the, well, obviously part of it is to do with the current situation, but whether it's actually seeing an increase in the number of atten- attendees or questions versus physical ones, but there's lots of plans going in for this year and for next year for these virtual town halls and also making them on demand as well so like you say if people uh, are only allowed away from their kind of main workspace for a set amount of time they might be able to see one or two of the sessions but actually there's lots more going on and and to be able to experience that you know when when it when it's suitable for their working pattern is is potentially you know more inclusive like like you mentioned so that that has been a real shift from the scramble to replace something to actually a much more considered approach as to what it might look like for the rest of this year, 2021, and, and potentially, you know, for, for people that have offices across the across the globe, it might mean that the, the CEO doesn't have to pack their bags every three months and do a bit of a world tour. Absolutely. And, you know, in, in, in complex organisations where there are, there are you know, perhaps perhaps they're global organizations or national organizations they've got offices and offices and, and workplaces all over the country it's a huge 
drain on a senior leader's time or or or, or a stakeholder's time to actually get around all those sites um, in, in a meaningful way, in a kind of a you know a kind of a, a, a sort of a continue to have a continuous conversation with the people that work there. You know the the, the logistics and the physical constraints of of the travel and. And, and being in those places on a, on a reason, reasonably frequent basis is, are, are quite challenging in some organisations. So uh, digital technology has certainly liberated um, uh, people from that, those constraints. But I think there's, you know, there's another, been another interesting effect of the pandemic, and that's that um, you know, historically internal comms teams tend to suffer from a lack of investment. So we're often... Um, using channels and, and tools and things that are sort of stuck together with elastic bands and sticky tape um, <laughs> that have maybe been, been there for years and years and years, or maybe there's something that the marketing team use that you know, the Intelcoms people piggyback on or something like that. So, you know, if anything, the p- pandemic's actually made organisations look at their internal comms tools and channels and, they, they, you know, they've realised that actually what they've got is inadequate. Uh, which has created um, a need to invest. Um, so again, with with these rapid implementations of things like like Slack and Teams and and other other sort of digital channels, um, you know that's been good for internal comms. It's it's actually given us some investments, um, and that investment's there now. You know, and those tools are there now to use. You know, once all this is over, um, and and hopefully. And hopefully for a long time, um, and that the, the, those those organisations will continue to make those investments to keep those things up to date. Yeah, that's a really positive view of it. I, I'd not uh, I'd not really considered that side of it. I obviously have talked to, to people about the uh, implementation of of new tools or the discovery of tools that might have been sitting there. I think that was probably the case for for quite a few people with Microsoft Teams that it was always sitting there in the background of their Office three six five package but uh hadn't particularly taken made use of it and it came to the fore very quickly for a lot of businesses um absolutely yeah i mean it's, you know it's 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 there it, you know a lot of organizations already have this stuff that was just just wasn't the imperative to use it so um so again you know sometimes it actually no no more money had to be spent it was just a case of flicking the switch on something to turn it on yeah a bit of yeah, I guess investment of, of time and focus in some areas right. and and and, uh, and money in others. Okay, so now this is the the tough part of the of the podcast, um, and I, you know I hear guests always sweat about this question the most, um, and it's purely selfish because I'm always looking out for new you know, on demand or tele recommendations. So calling this podcast remote control, it felt like I just had to ask for yeah Netflix, Prime, whatever you're watching. Is have you got anything to recommend? So I'm a big, I'm a big fan of murder mysteries. Ah, you so, too. Um, I don't know if you've, uh, I don't know if you've, you've read any of Agatha Christie novel, Christie's novels, but um, you know, I, I love all that, all that sort of stuff. And there's a, um, there's a series um, on, I think it's BBC actually in the UK. Uh, called um, Murder in Paradise, and um, it's uh, it's very it's a very British production. So it's set on a Caribbean island, which is a very very nice location. It's very yeah. nice to wa- watch this this series because <laughs> you see a bit of sunshine, uh, perhaps see the place places that you um, 
didn't get to go on holiday to yeah. this year. So, look, what you, um, look what you could have won. Look what you could have had. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, so it's, um, it's a very, it's a very nice, nice place to live is this island. But unfortunately, um, a lot of people die on it. Um, and uh, the, 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 it is a very British production. It's very, it's very, it reminds me a lot of Agatha Christie's books because of the, there's always that bit at the end where they get all the, the suspects together. <laughs> And the detective goes through, you know, he's, he's thinking about, about who, who did what and when and why. And then the fingers pointed at somebody and they put their hands up and they all go, fair cop, um, like that happens in real life. <laughs> so it's, um, so it's a little bit, it's a little bit tongue in cheek and it's slightly amusing from that point of view as well. But um, yeah, if you like, um, if you like murder mysteries, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a nice, uh, nice thing to watch. And uh Got quite a big back catalogue now as well, so there's plenty to uh, plenty to explore on on replay. Oh, plenty to plenty to binge on. I I feel like I'm uh, discovering something about the internal common profession because I think the last three or four now I've asked this question for the first answer has been murder mysteries. So I don't know if there's <laughs> something some some kind of. Uh, um, dark side to internal comms, but I'll just leave that out there for listeners to decide. I think. Absolutely, I think I think we're all we're all closet Poirots or something. <laughs> Perfect. Oh well, it's been really great chatting to you on the podcast, Martin. If people want to kind of hear some more from you or read some of the blogs that you mentioned, where where should they go? So my website is uh, gelfic.com. That's uh, Gelf. Uh, G-G-E-L-F. That's my surname backwards, actually. So, uh, yeah, gelfic.com uh, is the place to go to look at some of my blogs. And there's also some resources on there, um, uh, books and uh, other podcasts and links to professional bodies and things like that for internal communicators. So uh, there's, there's lots there to explore. Perfect. Okay, well, I'll make sure I put a link in the episode notes so that yeah, wherever people are listening to this, they can kind of get there with just a click. But yeah, thank you so much for joining us. It's been really fascinating and could have gone on for a lot longer, I think, as well. It's really enjoyable. Thank you. Thank you, Jack. Thanks for inviting me to participate. It's been a pleasure. Remote Control, an internal comms podcast by StreamGo.